If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. So hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Women Physicians Lead. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a board-certified family physician, best-selling author, speaker, and executive leadership coach. I help physicians transition into leadership roles so that they can become the respected voice in healthcare. So I'm really excited about this episode today. I have an amazing woman physician leader that I'm going to be speaking with today, and she is going to be talking to us about her journey as a woman physician leader. Part of the reason why I do this podcast is to be able to bring to you resources, inspirational stories, and things that will help you to make your transition into leadership easier, and also to help you know that there are other women out there who can serve as mentors virtually for you to be able to continue to fight the good fight, which is what we're going to be talking about today with Dr. Rashina Bassett. She also goes as Dr. Ricci. So today's topic, again, is fighting the good fight. And I'm going to be talking to her about her role and what she does in her role as a woman physician leader. So first, I'm just going to introduce her. I'm going to read her bio, and then we're going to get into some questions. And I'm excited just to hear about her story and her journey. So Dr. Ricci is an assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine. She is originally from South Florida, but completed her medical education at Emory University School of Medicine. While at a conference during her final year of medical school, Dr. Bissett became enamored with both the vision and the mission of Baylor's emergency medicine program, and thus began her journey with BCM. Dr. Bissett was also named chief resident for the Baylor Emergency Medicine Residency, and during her tenure, she and her co-chiefs were awarded the National EMRA Award for Chief Residents of the Year. After completing residency, she continued to further her training by completing an administrative fellowship within the Department of Emergency Medicine at Baylor. Dr. Bissett now currently serves as the full-time clinical faculty while also holding administrative roles as the medical director of the Baylor St. Luke's McNair Emergency Department and the associate medical director of Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center. 
Dr. Brissett is also a nationally recognized health expert and media correspondent and can often be seen on both international and national news programs such as CNN, ABC's Good Morning America, MSNBC, NBC News, PBS, Univision, Yahoo Finance, and even Fox News, amongst others. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Rishi. We are so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to have you as a guest, and I can't wait to ask you some very important questions about physician leadership. Hi, Dr. Lisa. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. You know, it was actually on one of those shows that I had saw you. I think it was on MSNBC. And you were doing a segment about um, COVID-19 in your community and about the challenges, obviously, that we're facing with that. So, yeah, so that was where I saw you. And I thought, you know, I really have to have her on my show. I love your presence. I loved everything that you talked about and thought that you could really share some wisdom with some of our listeners. So, again, thank you for coming on and welcome. Absolutely. So today, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about your leadership journey. And I think it's important for us to start off just by giving a little bit of statistics in terms of how we as women show up in the leadership space. So although, you know, we make up now 50 percent of the medical school class or close to 50 percent of the medical school class, only one fifth of us really end up in the C-suite or in some sort of, you know, hierarchy of an administrative, clinical administrative role. Also, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of women who are also leaving medicine as well early on in their career, you know, within the first six years out of residency, they're either leaving, you know, clinical medicine or going part time. And we know that that comes from a lot of different reasons, societal reasons, organizational reasons, lack of access to mentors, you know, not even knowing that it's a possibility. So I wanted to ask you, where did your leadership journey begin and who or what helped to shape you into a physician leader that you can even know that that was even possible? So you already touched on it and hit the nail on the head when you mentioned a, a lack of mentorship. For me, being one of the first physicians in my family and not really having any close friends or, or knowing anyone who, who was a physician, I also experienced that lack of mentorship. And it wasn't until I got to medical school and one of the deans of my medical school, who happened to also be an African-American woman, took me under her wings and really started tensely for me. And she kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities and put it in my head from early on that if you want to happen, you need to have a seat at the table. And that was her favorite thing to say, make sure no matter where you go, no matter what program you end up in for residency, you need to make sure that you have a seat at the table. Now, you don't necessarily have to be in a position to be a leader, but it does help. Leadership qualities are innate and we do have to foster those within our own personal lives. But when it comes to translating that to a clinical setting, you absolutely need to be able to monetize your skills and and what you bring to your organization. Absolutely. And I think that it's important, again, um, one of the things that you mentioned is that, you know, you don't really have to have a title to be a leader. I think we can all start somewhere within our journey to at least start to foster those some of those skills and to use some of those skills that are definitely transferable. So thank you for sharing that. So what does it look like for you, you know, in terms of being a medical director and also being full-time clinical faculty? What does a day as Dr. Rishi look like, you know, in terms of being a physician leader? 
if you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's really, I mean, you know, when you run through the list of responsibilities and the list of titles, it can sound overwhelming. But part of what I love about my job and my administrative role is that it does allow me a little bit of a way to kind of diversify my career somewhat. I'm an emergency medicine physician and, you know, emergency departments are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there is no particular time that I am not potentially working. But when you delve into the realm of administration, that's more of a nine to five Monday through Friday type of job. So it it does bring a little bit more normalcy to my schedule. It allows me a little bit more flexibility so that I can kind of schedule meetings or around things that are very important, such as, you know, making sure that I actually make it to my doctor's appointments or making sure that I make it to my son's basketball games when those things, you know, were a big part of my life. It does allow a little bit more flexibility. I am clinical and still have on my administrator hat when I'm clinical. So I'm always looking for things to potentially improve the emergency department, improve the working conditions for my colleagues and my staff. Uh, That's something that you never kind of leave behind. Right, right. So that's really important because I think for a lot of at least women physicians, we don't really look at administrative roles as giving us that sort of work. I'm going to call it work-life balance, but, you know, we can name it whatever. But I don't think we really look at it or look at those particular types of roles as being able to still give us the joy that we want to feel within still being in a clinical setting, but also being able to provide that, again, flexibility, that work-life balance. And then for those of us who just like to have our hands in different things, a diverse diversification of it, I think is attractive as well. So thank you for sharing that piece of it. Because again, I think a lot of, you know, us as physicians, we don't really think about that part of it. We don't think about it because we probably don't know that that side of the job exists. If you don't know someone who is in the C-suite or someone who is a medical director so that you can see what their day-to-day is like or chat with them and figure out how they juggle handling so many different things, you have no idea about the flexibility that it provides. It sounds like more titles means more work. And in some way it does, but there are some other benefits that I think we do need to talk about more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also wanted you to touch on, if you can, you know, a lot of times I think when I talk with a lot of physician leaders or those who might be clients of mine, they sometimes feel frustrated because they don't feel like their colleagues per se understand what they do on a day-to-day basis, right? That they are really, you know, rooting for them behind the scenes, that they are really advocating for them, that it's not just a title job, that they're really doing the work. So if you could talk a little bit about that, I think that that would help so many of us to really understand when those of us, you know, look to transition to leadership, we're really doing it to be a part of the change, right? We're doing it to advocate for our colleagues, to advocate for our department, to fight the good fight is what I like to say. You know, a lot of times things trickle down to physician staff from higher up and from the C-suites, and they have no idea the negotiations and the conversations that have taken place before those policies were passed. It's easy for someone who is not in a clinical setting to 
think they know what's best for those of us who are clinicians. But when you're in hospital administration and in you know a medical director role, you have almost like a, a dual mind. You know what it's like to be on the front lines and to be clinical, but you understand what the administration wants. And that's what you're trying to merge and what you're trying to marry. So a lot of things, sometimes, you know, my colleagues get upset because we're passing policies and rules and things that they may not like. And I often say sometimes you have no idea how bad it could have been. We really fought a good fight in order to make sure that this was as palatable as possible. As possible. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I definitely, you know, myself, you know, having had some of those leadership roles and then now again, being able to kind of coach through some physician leaders just have a high regard for what you do on a, on a day-to-day basis because, yeah, you're fighting a good fight, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So what does it really take? You know, if, if we look back at, if you look back on your journey, if you look back on the years of experience that you've had so far, you know, being a physician leader, what is some advice that you could give to other women physicians who may be looking to, you know, transition into leadership about what it takes to really be a woman who leads in healthcare? It takes a will to succeed. You have to be willing to hear the word no and keep progressing and keep pursuing if this is what you really want to do. You have to understand that you're not going to walk into a room and see a lot of other people that look like you. You may be the first, you may be the only, but that's okay. That's what we need in order to create more opportunities for others, other women and other people that look like us. It's not the easiest path, but I think anything that's worth having is worth working for. And now that I am where I am, I wouldn't have changed anything at all about my journey. That's very powerful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it is important that, you know, we continue to create this pipeline, right, of women physician leaders, that we continue to kind of grab the hands of those who are kind of coming behind us. Because if we don't, then we're going to really have this huge gap, you know, where there may be no diversity even in leadership. So no women, no, you know, women of color. I mean, just we're obviously going to be leaving again a huge gap if we don't continue to reach back and if we don't continue to take the risk, I think, you know, to to move into those roles. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for everything that you do and, you know, obviously for sharing your wisdom with us today. Is there anything else that you would just like to share with the audience at all? Anything that comes to mind? You know, I think that if you at all have any kind of interest in leadership and administration and operations, just try it out. Talk to someone. Attempt to take an opportunity. You never know what is going to be your fit until you actually try. If you imagine, you mentioned, you know, the lack of diversity and making sure that we're keeping the pipeline open. Imagine a C-suite full of men. Okay, how are they going to be able to enact policies and procedures that are beneficial to the women that they employ? They don't know necessarily what we need or what things are beneficial to us. Just a few of the things that I've worked on during my tenure was creating a lactation policy. That's Mm. something that may come to the forefront of a man's mind, but it's something that's very, very important to a woman, especially a woman who's trying to juggle being a wife, a mom, and a career woman. These are the reasons that we need more of us in the C-suite to stand up and to, again, fight the good fight. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom with us today and for allowing us to just get a little piece of kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis. So we obviously wish you well, wish you continued success, and would love to have you back on the show again at any time. So just feel free, you know, to come back on as well. So thank you for joining us this day. And I wanted to say happy um, National Women Physicians Day. It it was last week, but we could still celebrate. So So I wanted just to say that. And um, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be talking to you again soon. You sure will. Thank you for having this platform and allowing us to have our voices heard, Dr. Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.